I have something very limited and very important that I want to try to get at in this session of look at the book on Romans 5, 20 to 6, 2. And that is whether this word righteousness here is referring to the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to us through faith alone, or is it our active, lived behavior that God enables us to perform? And the way I want to go about answering it is simply by stressing that if you carefully look at the relationship between uh, propositions here, especially between the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 1, you can answer that question without any other knowledge. Father, show us now both how to read like that and how glorious it is that Christ's righteousness is imputed to us through faith alone. Now, let me set this up for you so you see it in context. The law, the Old Testament law, came in, came in, God added it in history, brought it in, to increase the trespass. So he, he gave the law so that our sinfulness would be compounded in specific, in specific trespasses. And trespass would be increased. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Here's the result of that abounding. So that as sin reigned in death, grace, this grace that's abounding all the more, grace might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, here are the two possibilities. Grace is abounding, and in abounding, it's producing the effect of a, a rain. Grace is reigning like a king, and it's reigning through the agency of righteousness that leads us to eternal life. And the question is, does that righteousness, uh, the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, or is it ours, which he works in us? In either case, Christ is the decisive cause of the righteousness, but in this case, he is imputing it to us, counting his righteousness as ours, even though we are sinners. In this case, he is, by the Holy Spirit, after faith, working it in us. And the reason the second one is not far-fetched at all is because we know from later in chapter 6, it goes like this. Now that you have been set free from sin, so that's a practical sanctifying change in your life, and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. Now that's real transformation of mind and heart and its end, eternal life. So we know that sanctification is essential for leading to the end of eternal life. This is not eternal life based on works. This is eternal life that we end at 
along the path of sanctification. So, back here in chapter 5, verse 21, when it says, Grace is abounding, even though sin is increased, grace is abounding with the result that it reigns through righteousness. Now, does that mean through sanctification, through real, lived-out righteousness, which leads to eternal life? That would not be unbiblical. But is that what Paul intends here? Or does he intend that the grace is reigning through the imputed righteousness of Christ? Now, here's the way I want to answer it. Just remember, chapter divisions can be misleading, so let's just not create any break at all here in the chapter. He goes on, and he he responds like this to that end of chapter 5. What shall we say then? Are we, to, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So you can see he's thinking here about this abounding grace, and he's just been told that because grace abounded, righteousness reigns and leads to eternal life. Now, would it, would it make any sense? Would this question, are we to continue in sin, which is the opposite of real righteousness, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound, would that make any sense? Would he have even thought of asking it if this righteousness were the overcoming of sin? which it would be on this option. If this is my righteousness, then what I'm saying is the abounding of grace reigns, triumphs over sin, and makes me more holy. I conquer sin. Maybe not perfectly, but I conquer sin. That, If that's what it means, this would not be a question on anybody's mind. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, the abounding of grace, we just said, is the production of righteousness, is the defeat of sin. So nobody would think of asking, whoa, if grace is abounding, then we get to continue in sin. No, you don't, because you just said that grace abounding kills sin and produces righteousness. So this question wouldn't have arisen, which means that's not what this means. This question really did arise from something that Paul said. And Paul said, the abounding of grace causes grace to reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life, which causes someone to ask, oh, well, then I guess we can go on sinning. In order that grace may abound. In other words, the abounding of grace really is referring to the fact that we are counted righteous by the righteousness of Christ because that really does raise the question, well then, maybe we get to go on sinning if we get Christ's righteousness and we don't have to be righteous. So, this really is the meaning that Paul intends here because it really explains why this question here, why this question would arise. 
if Christ's righteousness is imputed to us because of abounding grace, then the question is reasonable, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That's all I wanted to show. It's going on and reading the very next sentence that enables us to answer the question of what that righteousness is. Now, Paul's answer to the question is by no means. How can we who died still live in it? In other words, no way does the imputed righteousness of Christ lead a person to sin. We have died in receiving this righteousness, and dead people don't go on living in sin. But that's another time to look at that. 